The bad actors have found yet another way to attack us thanks to the pandemic. We're talking about warshipping. If you don't know what that is, you're not alone. I hope you learned something this episode. I know I did. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And with me, I have my AirPod loss consultant, Persona Maliandi. How's <laughs> it going, Persona? I'm good, Curtis. I'm good. Isn't that the problem with such small devices? It, it, it really is. And I haven't even told you the the end of Recent the saga. saga? Right, because yeah. you you remember I had I had a I had a missing AirPod, right? Yep. And and just to make it worse, it was an AirPod Pro, so it's like more expensive. And I didn't and no, I didn't pay for the insurance, which you know, given the costs and everything, I really should have. So I um I couldn't find the one the one AirPod, and I as you may know, I recently had my office painted. So you know, viewers that are watching this, you can see this. This is agreeable gray behind me is the official color of that. Because <laughs> um, it was like peach for the longest time, because this was originally a nursery. And in the midst of cleaning my office, I found the missing AirPod. Where was it? It was just literally laying on the floor over on the corner, right? <laughs> so I went to my wife and I said, guess what? I found the missing AirPod. And she said, guess what? I found your AirPod case and, you, and your other AirPod. Where did you find it? In the wash. Did it actually run through the wash? Oh yeah, yeah. Ugh. Is is muerto, my friend? So guess what I have now? You just well, I see that it looks like you're wearing a new set of AirPods. But guess what this one has? Da, da, what? Da, da. A tile on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So are you going to put one for each of the AirPods too? No, the thing is the AirPods themselves has, if the AirPods themselves, so first off, I'm going to be much more, like if I can't find my AirPods right now, I'm going to make it my top priority to find the missing AirPod at that moment, right? I'm not going to go, oh, I'll find it later, because you got to find it while it has charge. But I also would misplace it, them in the case, right? Because yeah. there's no there's no feature to find the case. And uh, so, yeah, so I decided to put a tile, and it looks doofy as hell but it's okay you know it is what it is I, I i'm such a big fan of the tile family if you will mm. uh, i have a tile i have a wall the credit card tile in my wallet i have a tile on my on my keys and this is a very easy segue into what i wanted to talk about this week which mm. is this concept of worshiping which is a not to be confused with worshiping which is very different <laughs> Um, <laughs> they, so, they sound very similar to the non-native English speaking ear, uh, war as in battle and shipping. Uh, what, what would you, what would you define war shipping as? It's almost like remote hacking, if you will. Yeah. Right. Where, except it's taking that plus you're adding in like, I know we've talked about sort of physical penetration testing before in the past right. where you're trying to break into a building. 
worshiping is like doing that without having to take as much risk, right? Right. You're basically yeah. shipping you are... a device to a company yeah. and letting it sit in the company and using it and remotely accessing and try to gather all this information from their networks, et cetera, all remotely without ever having to be anywhere near the company. And the fact that they don't even know that that device is there potentially. That is, yeah, and by the way, we the, the first time I saw war shipping demonstrated, if you will, is in what TV show? Alias? No, Mr. Well, Robot. Actually, yeah, Mr. Robot was the one I was thinking yeah. of. It's quite possible I've seen. You know, I, I watched a lot of Alias. I was a big fan <laughs> of Alias, but the the thing was, the tech in Alias was often so like out there, right? Like I remember there was the, the one that I really think about was that they wanted to suck a bunch of data out of a server and they couldn't physically break into the server room, but they could physically break into, like they could hover over the server room. Like, you know, like okay. the scene in, um, in Mission, Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible, like that. Yeah. So like hovering that way. And what they got was she had a, hard drive with a built-in wireless modem and all she had to do was like like hang upside down within like two feet of the server and all of the data would transfer wirelessly up to this device that, via the wireless modem and it's it basically like, the snow cone from 2000 yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> totally possible right and the thing was i don't remember what the number was but it was something like 20 terabytes and it's like <laughs> You know, because they actually gave the size. They're, they're like, oh, yeah. this is 20 terabytes of data. And I'm like, so 20 terabytes of data wirelessly. Never mind the fact that just I don't understand how it's supposed to connect to the server. But let's just let that go. You're going to transfer 20 terabytes of data wirelessly in 30 seconds. I want that box. That's what I remember. <laughs> but no, that's not what I was thinking about. I was thinking about, uh, the, uh, as I recall, didn't he want to hack? Didn't he want to hack into... What did they call it? Steel Mountain? Yes, I think it was called Steel Mountain. Yep. Clearly an allusion to Iron Mountain, right? They wanted to hack into the Evil Corp. And and so they they sent a device. Yep. And as I recall, didn't he brought it in? It was a cellular device, I believe, that had like a Wi-Fi hotspot and would attack their network and allow them to take over like the security controls and other things like that. Right. Right. And because as you know, we often know that physical access is if you can gain physical access, all bets are off. Right. Yep. I, I think worshiping, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if that would qualify as worshiping because this is a specific, you know, and again, I'm not a cybersecurity expert, but to me, I think the idea is you're not even going to do the physical penetration. You're going to do it remotely via something. But I think, though, the first part of what they did in that episode, I know it's a fictional show that we're talking about, Mr. Robot. Yeah. But I think at least the first part could be considered worshipping, right? Because he is sending a device remotely, letting it sit there. I think it was sitting in the mailroom, if I recall, right? Oh, really? Because I, I, th- yeah. Well, if that's the case, then I withdraw my objection, yeah. Your Honor. But what I remember was that he like stuck it, that he actually went in there. Oh, he, he went stuck in it there? on a wall. Okay. Yeah, that's why I'm. Then, but anyway, okay, I, yeah. again, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But that's the thing that matters is that we're shipping a device. Yep. That is going to somehow remotely uh, monitor. And this article that we found, which which I'll put it into the um, into the show notes in. 
a site called darkreading.com, which is, it's not a little light reading, it's dark reading. <laughs> um, and the idea is that what, what he was saying, or uh, yeah, Will Plummer, chief security officer at Ray Secure, the, is that there are so many of these mini computers and he specifically called out the Raspberry, the Raspberry Pi, Pi, right? Yep. Um, and you know, that it comes, it comes with everything you need and then you just need to give it some storage and some power. And, and, um, uh, it says, um, so it's just interesting. Yeah. So the idea is that he described how, Mm-hmm. You could easily build a worshiping device that could fit in an envelope, power itself for quite a long time, and then get shipped to a company and then just sit there sucking up all the data that it could. So my question to you, Persona, is why wouldn't that device get noticed? Well, it depends. Right now, if we're in the middle of a pandemic where no one's going into an office, Right, that's a perfect opportunity. You ship something, no one's going to really be checking the mail that often. People aren't going by the mail room and pulling a package, right? So it might go into the mail room. Someone's like, "Oh yeah, it's Steve Smith's mail." They leave it on Steve Smith's desk. Steve Smith may not show up at the office for like two weeks, three weeks, or he may never come in, right? And that's a lot of time for a device to be sitting there, listening to all the network connections, not being discovered. Because who's going to open your mail, right? That's just kind of right. creepy. <laughs> well, it's and right. you know, and and it's a federal crime, depending on to whom the mail is addressed, right? Yep. So right. yeah, so that it's yet another example, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. It's yet another example of how the pandemic has created another opportunity for hackers. So in this case, you know, we've talked about how that so many people have have moved to work remotely, and because they're working remotely, they're no longer behind their company's firewall and they're working in, you know, Starbucks or whatever. And they, uh, you know, so they're, they're more open perhaps to being attacked directly by ransomware or, or other malware. And in this case, this is, it's the, the data center. It's sort of now the data center or the, or the, or the office as it were, has been ignored. And so all these people are receiving packages and those packages could very easily contain one of these war shipping devices, which could then sit on the network for a really long time. So my question to you, and again, go ahead. But I think there's a couple things I want to bring up, right? The first is that yes, it could sit there and, it doesn't just directly get onto your Wi-Fi, right? There are packages, software packages out there that allow it to either passively or actively try to attack and break into the wireless network by listening to packets, trying to break the uh, encryption, right? Figuring out what the key is to be able to access the network, Mm -hmm. right? So assuming it's done that though, right? I think actually the fact that there are less people in the office should trigger alarms when a unknown device shows up on your network, right? It's not like you're going to have hundreds of people who are coming into the office now logging in bringing their own device etc right if this is really a shutdown office right the fact that a new wi-fi device joined your network should hopefully flag or trigger some alarms 
It's funny. This is going to be, this is a total non sequitur, but it's not. <laughs> Shutdown is another one of those words. It's a compound word in English where as a, as a noun, it's one word. As a verb, it's two words, just like backup. Backup is two words when it's a verb, and it's one word when it's a noun. Gotcha. Um, uh, anyway, sorry. You know, <laughs> for those, you know what? If you learn nothing today, you learn that backup is two words when it's a verb, and it's one word when it's a noun. I, if I back up, I create a backup. If I back up, that's two words. And why is it two words? Because I, I back up, he backs up. She backs, she up, backs up, he backed up, right? Yep. So it allows for different tenses. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, and today's grammar lesson brought to you by the letters <laughs> A and E. <laughs> it's one of my pet peeves, by the way, uh, when people spell back up as the verb with, 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 with no, as one, as one oh. word. Uh, or vice versa. Either way, either way. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm easily peeved, as you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so we'll, we'll talk about some preventative stuff in, in a minute. Uh, my question, you know, you, you said, cause, cause that was going to be my question. Well, I, when I go in, <clears throat> when I go into the Druva corporate network, for example, mm -hmm. by the way, Persona and I work for different companies. He works for Zoom. I work for Druva. This is not a podcast of either company and the opinions that you hear are ours. Also, be sure to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And, um, or uh, just click, you know, scroll down, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, just scroll to the bottom, hit the stars, give us a comment. We love it. And uh, we also love to hear from you. If you know more stuff, if you know more about this worshiping stuff than we do, which by the way, that's pretty possible uh, <laughs> because we're, we're totally faking it at this point. Or if then, you have other uh, movies that it happens or, in, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, if you want to discuss, if you want to discuss why the technology in Alias was way better than I think it was, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, I'm just saying I've met Jennifer Garner. I'm just saying, I met her, and I'm pretty sure she, it was as memorable of an experience for her as it was for me. <laughs> so, so here's my question. So you, so that was what, what I remember asking you. Well, just because when I go into the Druva office and, and if I have a new device, getting onto the Druva corporate network is not easy peasy. I've got to have the right SSID. I've got to have the right uh, password. How, how does that happen? If you've just got a random device that doesn't have that information, so it's how does it get onto the network? As, sure. It's not as secure as you think. The fact that people go and say, hide network from broadcasting SSID doesn't actually mm -hmm. prevent anything, right? It's kind of, uh, it's hidden, but there are tons of tools that are still able to figure out what the SSID is based on what's being broadcast. So that's not a good way to protect the network. In fact, a lot of people say, don't even bother hiding it because it just makes things more complicated for guests and gotcha. other people to find your network, right? Gotcha. Now, once you know what the SSID is, right, there are tools that'll sit there, suck up all the packets, right? And then eventually... Things have gotten smarter that they're able to break the encryption key and figure out what's the passcode to get into your network, right? So it's just, not bulletproof. That sounds bad. And especially <laughs> if you have a worshiping device sitting there for a day, a week, right? Just sucking up all this information. It can just sit there and passively listen, right? Because airwaves well, are airwaves. So anyone can listen in on those airwaves that the packet's going back and forth. 
right? Especially in networks where maybe they're using WPA2 or even WPA, mm -hmm. the older standards, right? Not WPA3, mm -hmm. which is the latest and greatest, or, they, right. you're, or they're using um, TKIP rather than AES for the encryption, right? Don't ask me what it stands for. I just know that TKIP is less secure than AES, right? But there are all these things. Hopefully most it's, corporates it's, aren't doing it that. It stands for the keys I prefer. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> no. I, I don't think so. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I have no idea what TKIP stands for. But there, there are all these issues, right? And so there are ways to break into networks or if, say, you have a vulnerability or you don't have the latest patches on your access points, right? That can mm. also be another way. So it's right. not unknown, right? And so right. it's just a matter of time. And like you said, if you have a worshiping device that's sitting in your at your corporate office, right, it can sit there for weeks without being recognized and just keep sucking How up all this data. Why wouldn't I, why would I go through that trouble? Why wouldn't I just like drop one of these things like right outside your building, you know, someone might and someone remotely might access it. your, yeah. Well, a, cu no, a couple that's things. A good point. Someone might see it. Yeah. Depends also on how the Wi-Fi is configured, right? Some people might not have full coverage really outside or they might have sort of different networks sitting on the outside versus the inside. Yeah. Right, depending on how. It's uh, I mean, I mean, so. yeah, it might just be a weak signal outside, but yeah, but yeah. this is a super easy way. Send it to a person yeah. that's a remote employee, and you know, or just send a bunch of them. Right, you, yeah. you only have to get right with one of them. Yeah. The um, so so you're saying that over time, given enough time, you could you know, theoretically. And again, this is one of those things where you don't have to be successful with everybody. You just have to be successful with one company. Yeah. And this is the just other yet thing, another method. The other thing also is computers have gotten blazingly fast processing and computing, mm -hmm. right? That mm -hmm. what used to take a while to try to break like an encryption algorithm right now doesn't take as long as it used to. And like you see, right, with the Raspberry Pi and other things like that. Right? It's conceivable that it won't take you that long to actually break that encryption. Yeah, he talked about, um, he said he'd, he'd talk about a Raspberry Pi. Um, and then he said he'd use a Wi-Fi dongle um, so it can connect to the internet, right? Uh, uh, and then memory card the wi of... The Wi-Fi dongle is actually to connect to the Wi-Fi network of the company and... Yeah, so basically, he's talking about two different connections. One to be able to to do a, a, a to get a SIM card and a cellular click connection, an optional GPS device. That's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, but all these are little things that you can easily plug to a Raspberry Pi without mm -hmm. very much cost, and and send it in, right? And again, I I don't want to I don't want this to be you know blaming the tool, right? Raspberry mm -hmm. Pi is a pretty cool device. This isn't Raspberry Pi's fault. It's just what what I think what the true culprit, if you will, here is that you have this ability to where, where you have all these offices that are that are you know relatively unoccupied, right? Yeah. And you you just send a device and it can just sit there all this time. So let's talk about um, you know you've talked about it already, but let's talk about ways that you can prevent this. So um, the the first you know, you, you're saying that the, the, we're going back to sort of monitoring. You should be 
monitoring your network traffic for all kinds of things. And before we even talk about this one, let's talk about some of the things that we've mentioned on other episodes, things that you should be looking for. First off, I, I agree a lot with, you know, we've had Snorkel42 from Reddit on here, and he talks a lot about preventing lateral movement. And I think that that's a really important thing that you should be you should be blocking. You should also, I think, be looking for things that are trying to do lateral movement, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you should be, um, and I think, and again, I understand that this is harder and, it, you know, you, it, which therefore means it's going to come with more cost. But the idea of using some sort of machine learning to monitor what is normal network yeah. traffic for, for every device on your network. And then when you see a new device or you see a significant change in the, the, the bandwidth utilization, especially upload, you know, because mm-hmm. somebody's doing exfiltration, um, he, he, then, then you, you, you shut that down, right? You shut that down, yeah. contact that person and go, Hey, what, what's going on? They're like, Oh, well, I, you know, I, I suddenly, I started <laughs> producing videos for the company. Oh crap. Sure. You know, no problem. Right. Yeah. No big deal. Right. Sorry, Alex. Um, but, <laughs> so, but the, uh, but then you're like, Oh, I, I wasn't doing anything. And you find out while well, the guy's got ransomware and it's uploading all this data. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other thing that I remember uh, Snorkel talking about was the idea of blocking access to um, new domains, right? Mm-hmm. Newly registered domains or newly activated domains. Yeah. That's a, that, I think that's an important one. And we've had the, the DDI folks on here, mm-hmm. the, the idea of blocking access to weirdly named domains. <laughs> yeah. Right. You remember that, 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 that yeah. command and control servers have these really long domains and that no one would ever type. The only reason they're so long is because that each part of that domain name is a, is an instruction, yeah. right? Or a request. And then it, it responds with the appropriate instruction. And um, th- th- there are a bunch of things that you can do like that to prevent malware from executing once it gets in, right? Um, yeah. And this would be an example of a way that malware would get in. Um, I, just going back to sort of the monitoring aspects and the flagging. Yeah. I like the anomaly detection that you talked about, looking yeah. at basic patterns. Um, I think what becomes challenging is as companies, and this was even pre-pandemic, right? Where mm-hmm. people would bring their own devices, right? Because everyone's like, hey, I'm more efficient, right? And so you now have, a lot of random devices that aren't corporate controlled showing up on your network, right? I think that becomes a challenge. It's in terms of how do you ensure employees are productive, right? And have easy access to devices they want versus um, locking everything down and securing it, right? This is kind of what Snorkel also talked about, right? It's kind of the trade-off between like ease of use versus security, right? And there's always going to be that tension that happens. Well, he's... He seemed to be okay with what I was suggesting, though, of the sort of yeah. the stomp on somebody's foot and say, oh, sorry, I, you know, and yeah. then lift it up for that one person who has a legitimate reason. Uh, and by the way, I think, and again, I'm not an expert in those particular types of products, but I would think that that particular uh, challenge would be easy to be, would be easily dealt with by, for example, we have a standard profile for a new device that's on the network, a new device 
does a lot of lookups, does yeah. a lot of browsing, doesn't send a lot of data. But right, I, I think. And then so, so when you know what I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. On yeah, yeah. again, you could have you could have yeah. a, a usage of a machine learning pattern for this is what a new device looks yeah. like, and then that device, that device that just came on, it's sending a whole bunch of data up. Shut it down and then yeah. go figure out why. But right? I'm so I don't think it's though, impossible. It's not impossible, but I'm just wondering, given limited IT budgets, given limited resources and skill sets, right? Are most companies really going to be able to invest and ma manage a tool like this, or is it one of those things where people are like, "Yeah, we're shipping," or these random devices coming on the network? I know it's an issue, but it's not the most immediate thing and like you said going back to what you were talking about right how do you prevent lateral movement instead of trying to prevent them from coming in how do you prevent the damage if they get in yeah um i i do think and you, you may recall that 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 his advice was he had a longer list yeah. before we before you yeah. got to what i'm talking about he didn't yeah. have any problem with what i was saying but he but he wanted to like Block access to yeah. to weird domains. He wanted to uh, limit lateral movement. Uh, he wanted to do MFA everywhere, yeah. uh, do least privilege everywhere. These are all basic concepts of computing that everyone should be doing everywhere they can, yeah. and the uh, and no one should be administering a server via root anymore, root. right? Or administrator. It should that should just never be happening, and. Um, the uh, and the only place you should be able to log in as root should be at the console and you know all these different things, yeah. right? And uh, and I think it should be a like a breaking glass situation, right? If yeah. someone needs the root password, the root password is somewhere available, but you got to go through all these different levels of change yeah. to get access. You know, yeah. all of those things. I think those are all great. I guess the reason why I focus so much on this concept of monitoring the network for even if again something is better than nothing that, that that's another yeah. concept that he talked about a lot about something yeah. is better than nothing if you could get you know a basic tool that yeah. just did you know that just even if you if if you didn't do the automated shutdown but you got a basic tool that just monitored for the upload patterns of every device and then you you found a device that suddenly was you know is really high, and you could you know flag find it. out who the device is yeah. right, flag it right uh, again with the with the BYOD situation. I don't know how you figure out who that device is, <laughs> but other, other than to shut it off. Uh, honestly, yep. other than to shut it off, that's I, you probably won't be able to do it automatically with a less expensive tool. But you shut it off, and then. What's going to happen is Fred's going to come to the IT department and go, hey, man, I can't get on the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah well, that's because you were that's... uploading stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you found you found your culprit, right? That Oh, by the way, I, I just want the reason why I'm so hot on that and maybe even more so. And again, it's because of my backup background. Mm. And that is that a good air-gapped backup is the best defense against traditional ransomware. Mm -hmm. There is no defense against exfiltration once it has happened. Yeah. None. And that's why I, I perhaps focus on that a little bit more. I think all the other stuff is 
is good. Uh, I just like this idea yeah. of somehow using something, you know, um, and, and another, I think maybe easier one on the built-in devices is, is whitelisting. Yeah. Right. On the company devices is whitelisting, you know, application yeah. whitelisting. Yep. And again, everything I, device, right. Yeah. Applicate. Well, I think both, right. Yeah. Um, you know, application and, um, the other thing it's like, you can, you know, there's just ways I think you could, yeah. you could somehow limit an individual device's ability to start downloading or uploading the entire company's intellectual sure. property. Okay. So enough about that. Let's talk about, let's talk so, about what this so, episode is actually about. Uh, so going back to, this is an actual device. I think we kind of went down the, okay, how do you do it once it's in your network? But I think there's a whole yeah. bunch of basics, even before we get to that. Right, Curtis? Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a physical device, right? It's landing on someone's desk. What can you do before it just like sits there? (laughs) Well, I think one of the things, well, the question, you know, in no particular order, this is just what's coming to my mind. One is, you know, physical security. um, you, You know, this is, this is a physical security problem before it's anything else. They're talking about physically processing packages and there also there are mail scanning technologies. There's mm-hmm. a box you can run all the mail through and go, hey, this thing is this thing is broadcasting a signal. You yeah. know, this is a problem, right? You can do that. You can scan the thing before it comes in. The other thing is what or put know, it in a Faraday cage. What? Put, put it in a Faraday cage. All, can you buy a big Faraday cage? They did an enemy of the state. <laughs> I just mean a big enough one, you know, can you make the mail room a Faraday cage? I you bet know? you could. Yeah. So that, that, that could be another way to do it. Right. Uh, poor guys in the mail room. They don't get any Wi-Fi. <laughs> the, um, the, the other is the, the device whitelisting that you talked about. Everybody needs to have a conversation with it before their device is allowed on the network. Yeah. Is that so, is that, is that, unreasonable what do you think so it's reasonable i think the challenge is or that they get segmented off into a separate wi-fi network where they get almost zero access right well they get basically this is guest versus corporate yeah yeah guest doesn't see anything in the corporate network all it gets is ability to google stuff yeah now the only challenge is how you end up doing that whitelisting um, there are issues depending on what sort of method you use. If, for instance, you're just using MAC address filtering, MAC addresses can be spoofed, right? So it's not a great mechanism to ensure but you that would, the device... You, I mean, for this device, though, sorry to interrupt there, but for mm-hmm. this device, you know, you're, we're assuming that this device is just a dumb device. It wouldn't know what MAC address to spoof. Oh, it could. You know? It could. If it's sniffing all the wireless packets... It would be able to pull oh, the Mac address. Saying, you're saying, yeah. sn- oh, jeez, man. Right, and, and especially if it's a passive, oh, man. and especially if it's a passive device, right? It's just sitting there listening to everything coming across the airwaves. So, so all right. So you <laughs> you clearly know more about Wi-Fi than I do. Can we monitor for this device that is sniffing packets? Can we if know it's that passive? it's passive? If it's yeah. passive, you can't tell at all because it's just airwaves, right? Wi-Fi is just a signal. Anyone right, can receive right. a signal. So what? So, um, which is why I said, from a the best thing is 
like you said, go back to the physical security aspects, right? Try to prevent the Wi-Fi device from sitting or the worshiping device from sitting in your corporate mail room or in your location for long periods of time, right? Have a process to take the packages, scan it if you can. If you don't have a scanning ability, right? Contact the recipient, say you have this package, come pick it up with a certain amount of time, forward it off to the person if you have to, right? Ask them if they're expecting a package or even if you can open the package, right? If they're not expecting something, ask, can I open it? Yeah. Right? There are so many different so, yeah. options. So num- right? number one, you've got to have someone actively managing all of the mail from all of these people that are getting mail during the pandemic, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, this is going to be at at a minimum. This is going to be a bulky envelope, right? One of those puffy yep. envelopes, and possibly a box. Yep. And you have rules specifically for those. You contact. You need to contact the person and ask mm-hmm. what should be done with this thing, yep. right? Uh, and if they're not expecting a package, perhaps yeah, you could create a policy, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think you should be randomly opening mail from people. No. That- no. Without right, their permission, don't permission to do so. right, right. Or you should, yeah, or forward it off to them so I or think, whatever else it is. Yeah, I think the basic, based on what I'm hearing from you, this is really the only choice. <laughs> I, I mean, right? Because yeah. the whitelisting, the the device whitelisting wouldn't stop the person, you know, the the box that has has you know sniffed packets, has well, spoofed the appropriate. Well, and this is where I was Name. saying that it depends on what methodology you're using for whitelisting. There's other things like radius authentication and other certificate-based authentication and other things, which you could also use for whitelisting, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why I said if you're just doing basic MAC address filtering, it's not strong enough. Okay. So 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 then we we do have this additional. This is this is all in the line of like four more money. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. You could stop this completely by a more robust whitelisting system than MAC address filtering. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I think like a lot of it, you don't you don't leave your data center open wide open. Yeah. And so you shouldn't do this. This is essentially an intrusion into your data center, right? Or into your corporate network. And so you shouldn't leave that wide open. I guess there are many people like me that just never thought of worshiping as a way to get into a corporate network. And so they're not thinking about these incoming packages as a potential risk. Yeah. And so you need to think about those packages as an internal, as a, as a potential risk, and they need to be handled physically before they can do any damage. The other thing to consider is I know we've been talking a lot about corporate environments and worshiping, but also Mm -hmm. if you get a random device in your mail, (laughs) right from someone and it looks like a camera or something else and you're like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Let me plug it in. Don't plug it in. Right. (laughs) Be very careful at home. Also of putting random things on. Yeah. I read this article and I was like, dang, that is just something I never thought about yeah. in my so, life. So it, it's interesting because there was actually an uptick in these articles about worshiping back in 2019 as well, when I did some Googling. Uh-huh. Right? So this isn't the first time it's come out, but I think specifically with the pandemic and everything else, 
it's kind of coming back to the forefront. In fact, worshipping, here's something I was just looking up. I don't know how accurate this is. Worshipping is a term coined by IBM in 2019. Really? All right. That's kind of cool. Good old IBM. Still still setting the bar, raising the bar, whatever you want to call it. That's probably why all those articles started in 2019. You could put it in a place in your building that doesn't have Wi-Fi. Yeah. There are places in your building that yeah. you know where they are because you tried to use the Wi-Fi there and it doesn't work. <laughs> or you just have um, all packages delivered to an off-site facility. Don't have it delivered to your you corporate could. house. You know what? You could have you could have your you could have packages like I'm sure that that could be managed for you. Yeah. That wouldn't be free, but it could be managed for you. Yeah. All right. Well, once again, we have solved world peace. Uh, so thanks for thanks for helping me keep people safe, Persona. Anytime. And thanks for sharing that article, Curtis. Yeah. It's, now we'll have to go back and watch Mr. Robot and figure out what exactly he did, if it was worshipping or something else. Yeah. I, I Yeah. My memory is like he was a janitor, like he pretended to yeah. be a janitor mm. and then stuck the thing. Thanks to the listeners. Uh, for those of you that stuck out this long and remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. Go